Hi everyone and welcome to Should You Watch It? Reviews by Sydney. I'm your host Sydney and before we begin I just want to tell you why I started this podcast in the first place. Ever since I was a little kid I've loved movies and over time I noticed that I didn't just enjoy watching a movie or TV show but I began to follow the directors and actors throughout their careers and noticed that I had a serious passion for film analysis. So with that and the never-ending boredom that has been given to us because of COVID, I decided to start a podcast. This is a little project of mine that I've always wanted to do. Here you can listen to my reviews of all the latest TV shows and movies, and hopefully after hearing what I have to say, you have a better gauge of whether or not you want to even watch these movies and shows, and ultimately answer the question, should you watch it? Before we begin, I just want to offer a trigger warning. Please listen to this podcast at your own discretion, as I will be discussing topics such as sexual assault, victim shaming and blaming, as well as other topics that relate to sexual violence. Your mental health is first and foremost, and while I want you to listen to the podcast, I want to be mindful that some of these topics are sensitive and very serious. As well, please watch the film as it depicts uh, moments of sexual violence and other serious images. Thank you. So guys, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping before I get into the review. I just want to talk about some of the background things that happened that even got this movie to be made in the first place. So first, this is Emerald Fennell's first uh, directorial uh, debut. So she's a showrunner that's been notable from uh, Killing Eve season two, as well as she's an actor herself. She uh, plays Camilla Parker Bowles on The Crown season three and season four. And without knowing any uh, anything about her, you really wouldn't think this is a first-time director. There is not too many flaws, in my opinion, of the film, so it's really interesting to see where her career will go if this is her, like, first crack at directing. And so I'm really interested to see, you know, more female directors come up in the game, and it's really interesting to get their interpretation on such serious topics such as, you know, sexual assault and sexual violence. Also, this is the first movie that Margot Robbie, who is like a huge actress, everybody knows her, you know, Harley Quinn, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Wolf of Wall Street, big time actress. But this is the first film from her Lucky Chap Entertainment production studio where she's not the star of the film. And I think it's really interesting that she took a moment to step back and say, hey, I'm going to give this opportunity to another actress. In my opinion, if Margot Robbie was to star in this role, it would just feel like Harley Quinn in some of the different scenes, um, especially when it comes to some of the more darker elements. I would have felt that Margot was just doing a Harley Quinn interpretation instead of actually bleeding into the character. Carrie Mulligan really does a good job at kind of giving the nuance to Cassie's character, and I think that's something that's really important that Margot Robbie can definitely get to, but uh, she's still not at that level of an actress, in my opinion, to really give her all for such a serious topic like this. And then lastly, Bo Burnham, who stars as Ryan, who plays uh, Carrie Mulligan's Cassie's lover in the film. He's a YouTube star turned stand-up comedian turned actor turned director. And it's really interesting to see his transition from all those different mediums into now becoming a full-fledged actor himself, as well as a full-fledged director with his directorial debut being 8th Grade, which came out in 2018. It's really interesting to see that, you know, this career it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And if you really have a passion for it, you just got to keep at it. So it's interesting to see what he's going to be doing after this, but he really gave his character some complexities that I'll discuss later in the uh, review. So here's my review of Promising Young Woman. Promising Young Woman stars Carrie Mulligan as Cassie, a 30-year-old woman who once had aspirations of becoming a doctor. But after her best friend since childhood and medical school classmate was raped, 
Cassie sets off to right the wrongs that inevitably took her best friend's life. Cassie becomes a vigilante, stalking the night for predators and wrongdoers of women. But after a chance encounter with an old classmate turned lover, gives Cassie the chance to get her ultimate revenge. And that's where we start the movie at. So like you guys have seen in the trailer, it shows Cassie kind of being at a bar, drunk, not really being able to hold herself up. A nice guy comes over and asks, like, hey, are you okay? And offers to, you know, give her a ride home. They end up back at his apartment. He's giving her more drinks, and he's thinking, you know, this is my chance to, you know, strike. So he gets Cassie into his bedroom, and the assault is just about to happen when Cassie flips the script, you know, comes out of it and says, you know, I'm not even drunk. And it's kind of our setup to this whole vigilante night stalking thing. You know, Cassie does this to you know, ordinary guys everywhere at local bars and pubs and stuff like that and kind of, you know, flips the script on them and just lets them know, like, hey, I'm aware of what you're doing and what you're doing is sick and wrong. And so that's where we start off our film. Um, Cassie, again, is a 30-year-old woman still living with her parents. For someone that had aspirations to go to medical school, still living with their parents, they're getting fed up with it. So uh, on her birthday, they give her a suitcase. It's basically like, hey, you got to move out of here. And so then we meet Gail, who is Cassie's uh, boss and friend, who's played by Laverne Cox. And she's saying, well, maybe you should move out. Maybe it is time to move on. And you get the sense that Cassie doesn't want to move on. She wants to keep up with this vigilante act. She wants to keep, you know, getting guys caught in their assaults and stuff like that as a way to kind of make up for the wrongdoing that was done to her best friend, Nina. In walks in Ryan, and we get our first meet-cute. And in my opinion, this is kind of like a re-meet-cute because they were classmates in medical school together. So they're getting reintroduced to each other, and Ryan's feeling Cassie. He's like, hey, let me take you out on a date. And because of, you know, the situation that ca- that happened with Cassie and her best friend Nina, she's, you know, rightfully kind of weary of Ryan and just isn't really trustful of people. So she's like, no, and she tries to dodge him and stuff. They end up going out on a date. It seems really nice. They're walking back to his apartment, and he invites her up. He's like, hey, do you want to see my apartment? And that triggers Cassie, rightfully so, after what she has been through with her friend. And so that triggers her. She runs away from the situation, and she goes back to, you know, vigilanting. And you get the sense that Cassie has some real serious intimate issues, and that's rightfully so, but she avoids Ryan. And Ryan is somebody that really likes her, and he's like, hey, you know, what did I do wrong? They end up making up, they go back out on a date, and that's when we get our first kind of uh, encounter with Cassie's revenge plot. They're having lunch one day, and Ryan's telling Cassie, like, hey, I still hang out with, you know, some of the homies from medical school. And that's when it triggers Cassie, and she asks, well, do you still see Al Monroe? Al Monroe is actually the guy that assaulted Nina when they were in medical school. And Ryan tells her, yeah, I see him all the time, he works at the hospital. This begins the turning of the wheels for Cassie, and it sets off the ultimate revenge plot. So Cassie goes through the motions dating Ryan and stuff, and she begins on her revenge plot. The first person on Cassie's list is Madison McPhee, who is one of the only females, one of the only other females in their kind of friend group, uh, in their medical class group. And so Cassie has lunch with Madison, and She's trying to get Madison to atone or admit to the wrongdoing that she did against Nina by not helping Nina, not coming forward when Nina was saying like, hey, I was sexually assaulted by one of our classmates. And Madison's one of those people that's a victim blamer and a victim shamer. And she's telling Cassie like, well, she got drunk a lot. Mind you, 
Madison is also getting drunk, day drinking at this lunch that they're having. And Madison's saying, well, this was her fault, victim blaming and victim shaming. And Cassie's giving her the opportunity to atone, to maybe get off of this revenge list. And she doesn't. She keeps blaming Nina for what happened to her. And so Cassie does something that's truly dark and something that I wasn't expecting from any of the characters, but it just shows you how far gone Cassie is. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for you. Um, this is going to be a spoiler-free review, but I'm going to you know, shed some light on some of the interesting topics in the film. But what Cassie does to Madison is truly horrific, that she would put her in that mental space to think something as horrible as violence would happen to her. And it just shows you the rabbit hole that Cassie has unfortunately fallen through because of what happened to her friend. And again, she's going on dates with Ryan. She's still vigilanting and Ryan catches her in the act. And he's like, hey, what are you doing out on a date with this guy dressed this way? And it really gives you the picture that Ryan is a good dude. You know, he's concerned about Cassie. He really likes her. He's like, I thought we had a connection. And she's like, we do. And she's trying to explain and they break up for a little bit because Cassie's still in this. I have to get revenge on everybody that has hurt a woman in their life. And she can't break away from that, even when a nice guy wants to kind of take her away from that lifestyle. So the next person on Cassie's revenge list is Dean Walker. Now, Dean Walker was the dean at the medical school when Cassie, Nina, Ryan and the rest of the crew were students there. And Cassie's, again, giving her the opportunity, atone, admit that you had a hand in what happened to my friend, and I'll leave the situation alone. But Dean Walker, like many people, is going to deny and protect the predator and say, well, if we were to believe every accusation about a young man at this school, we wouldn't have any male students. And Cassie's like, oh, so you can't empathize for another student, but what happens if it's your daughter? Earlier that day, Cassie somehow found Dean Walker's daughter at her high school, kind of lured her in and said, hey, I'm going to go do makeup for this band that you really like. You want to come and hang out? And this 16-year-old girl, naive as she is, just gets in the car with a random stranger, really painting that picture that th these things can happen to anybody. And if you're not aware of your surroundings, if you're not aware of what's going on, anybody can take advantage of you, even people that look trustworthy or even people that are your classmates or your friends. And so we're back in the office with Cassie and Dean Walker. And she's like, but what happens if it happens to your daughter? I just dropped your daughter off at the dorm of which those young men used to live in when this assault happened to my friend. And rightfully so, naturally, Dean Walker begins to flip out. She's like, where's my daughter at? Where's my daughter at? Again, it just shows how dark Cassie is willing to get for these people to realize the great harm that they've caused Nina and her family. And it just shows us, as the viewer, the tolls that this has taken. We don't know how long Cassie has been doing this, but we can assume it's been for some years because she's calculated. I mean, she was going to be a doctor. You have to be calculated. You have to be methodical. She's thought out all of these things just so people can realize you denying, you shaming has played a hand inev inevitably in Nina's death. And so Dean Walker again is flipping out and we can hear her from the outside of the office and it's beautiful. Connie Britton, who stars as Dean Walker, does a great job of, you know, that serious mom role. You forget that you're a dean of a college or a university. You forget that you have all these degrees on your walls. Your daughter's life is in jeopardy now. 
Of course it's not. Cassie isn't that far gone. But she's getting there to where she would do these two things to other women. So again, we go back to Cassie and Ryan dating. They make up again. And you get the sense that, well, maybe Cassie is turning. Maybe she's going to put this whole vigilante thing aside. And we get to the third person on Cassie's list, who is Jordan Green. Now, Jordan Green was the lawyer for Al Monroe, who was uh, Nina's assultant. And Jordan Green is the only person in this film that shows redemption and remorse. If we were to break this film down into a Shakespearean act, with the first being accusatory behavior, the second being denial and protecting pre uh, predators, Jordan Green represents redemption and remorse. He knows that he played a hand in what happened to Nina. He admits to Cassie, I did this for years, for so many guys, getting them off. We would just go through a girl's social media and paint this picture of her as if she was this loose or promiscuous woman. And that would get the guys off. And you get the sense that Nina's case was probably the straw that broke the camel's back. Jordan has since lost his job. He's taken a sabbatical, and I'm doing that in air quotes, but he's lost his job. His family has left him because he's so distraught from all of these cases of where he's protected these young men and got them off for not doing serious time for doing these harms. And he's the only one that offers an apology to Cassie. And you see that does affect Cassie, so it shows that she still has a little bit of that light in her. And so Cassie calls off what we can assume to be the hitman. You know, she says, you don't have to go in there. And she calls off the hitman, pays him, and they go their separate ways. But the only person in this whole film to offer a sincere apology. So then Cassie goes and she meets with Nina's mom. And Nina's mom is kind of saying, like, what are, what are you doing this for? Who is this for? This isn't going to bring my daughter back. And you're also ruining your own life. You don't even have a life. You're doing this every night, this vigilante, this night stalking. For what? My daughter is gone. You need to go out and live your own life and try to find some happiness because that's what Nina would have wanted. And so we see this as an inflection point for Cassie. She realizes like, well, maybe I can live a normal life. Maybe I can have a normal relationship. And then we get a beautiful montage with Cassie, Ryan, Gail, Cassie's parents, and it looks like a normal rom-com. But you know, there's 30 minutes left in this film, and the other shoe is going to drop. And when the other shoe drops, it drops, y'all. Like, I knew something was coming down the pike, but it was still heartbreaking to watch. And that is because of Bo Burnham's Ryan. So, I would say the fourth part of this film, the fourth act, is betrayal, right? If we're talking about a Shakespearean uh, analogy for this film. Betrayal is our fourth act. And so Madison finally meets up with Cassie and she's like, what happened to me? What did you do to me? And Cassie has completely forgotten about the situation. She's like, nothing happened to you. I just wanted to show you how one night can ruin a person's reputation. One night can change the way people perceive you and how you look at yourself. And so Madison says, you know, I totally get what Nina went through now. I'm glad that didn't happen to me, but... You know, as crazy as that was, that got me to thinking about what happened that night. And Madison gives Cassie her phone from way back when. And the phone, the phone has a video of Nina's assault. Now, mind you guys, Cassie didn't go to this party 
of which Nina was assaulted at. For whatever reason, she stayed behind. This childhood best friend decided not to go to a party with her friend, and she was sexually assaulted. And this is the first time Cassie's seeing this video. And I don't want to give anything away because it sets up the last 30 minutes, which, are, which is the craziest part of the film, for a film that's already pretty crazy. But we don't see the video, but we hear it. And when you hear the video and you watch Cassie as she watches the video, it breaks your heart because it's the other shoe dropping. And it has to do with Bo Burnham's character, Ryan. And again, seemingly nice dude, good guy. You probably know this guy that's just like the regular homie, you know. But it just, it gives that complexity to that whole bystander situation. Just because you're at a party, you see some shady stuff go down and you don't do anything about it. You're still playing a hand in the harm that's being done to that other person. And this is where Cassie snaps. And I don't mean snap like she like runs around the house, destroys stuff. She snaps and her heart breaks. And you see that. And then we see the calculation. Then we see the person that was going to be a doctor. We see the revenge plot come back into play. And now we have to get the ultimate target. And the ultimate target is Al Monroe. So Cassie meets up with Ryan. And you know the relationship is over. And she's like, I'm going to give you a choice. Self-preservation kicks in. Save your own hide. Save your own career. Give me the address to Al Monroe's bachelor party. Al Monroe is getting married. He's found the love of his life. He's settled down. He's ready to put a ring on it, hang up the jerseys, empty the rosters. Al Monroe's ready to get married. That's not going to happen for Cassie. This man's life has to be ruined, like Nina's was. And so, again, I don't want to spoil the last 30 minutes because it's truly crazy. It's, it's wild. And I would say this is the only flaw of the film, what happens to Cassie in the end. She gets her revenge. But for me, it's like, at what cost? For me, it's like, does the, does the ends justify the means? And I don't know. That's open to interpretation. And I see it as a flaw of the film. Others may not. And I, that's the great thing about watching a movie. We all have our own opinions. We all pick up different things. But the last 30 minutes are so crazy. That's the reason why I feel like Margot Robbie wouldn't have been able to give this delivery. And it had to be Carrie Mulligan. It had to be somebody that was so removed, so detached, that you could see and understand why she would go through the final revenge. And so she gets back, again, at everybody that has played a hand in what happened to Nina. And the interesting thing about this film is, and you've probably seen it from the trailers, very bright coloring. It almost looks like like cotton candy in real life like the colors are very much blue and pink blue and pink the last 30 minutes strips that color away and it's probably because it represents how Cassie feels the light that she had to maybe perhaps move on with life is now gone it's very dull it's very bleak and that's what's so complex about the film everybody's going to take a different ending away from it um and I'll get into more of that when I discuss the pros and cons but 
that's basically what happens in the film. Um, it's not a simple Me Too revenge plot movie. I think there's more discussion to be had. And, I mean, we could, I could sit on this mic and talk all day about it because it's one of those movies where after the credits roll, you'll be sitting there and you'll still feel the film in your gut. And that's when you know a movie has touched you. That's when you know a movie has affected you. When you feel it hours, maybe even a day afterwards. I know I certainly did, and I watched it twice. So for someone like Emerald Fennell, who this is her first, you know, directing job, it's great. It's going to be amazing watching her career grow. Again, I think some standouts are Carrie Mulligan as Cassie and Bo Burnham as Ryan. Carrie is playing a very nuanced, complicated, and sad character. Because you can see the pain that she's going through. Even though she seems like she's moved on from it and now is just stuck in that revenge, that, that vigilante, that getting back at the man. You can still see the hurt, especially what happens with her and Bo's character, Ryan. And again, Bo Burnham plays Ryan, this really complex, typical, good guy, everyday guy, really well. And while you're watching it, you may even say, like, I know somebody like that. And that's what's so crazy about these movies that we're starting to get more into the realistic films. The films that you could probably take a scene out and play it in your own life. And so just before I end, I just want to talk about some pros and cons of what I thought about the film. So the color scheme again, pink and blue, cotton candy. Until you get to the last 30 minutes and we strip away that. And it's just, it's reality. It's the real world setting in. And you can feel the tension when that color gets stripped away. Complex characters. Carrie and Ryan did a great job for Ryan, someone to come from a comedic background. He really plays the serious points to where it's, it feels like it's not even acting. And so I think that's really interesting. Carrie Mulligan, who I have known for a while now, she's been on my radar, but she comes from, you know, the great Gatsby. She's one of those performative actresses. And this, she feels really grounded, really rugged. And I really like that interpretation that she's given Cassie's character. Um, I think people kind of see, like, a Dexter character or a Joe from You character. And they never really think about a woman playing that role. And you can definitely put Carrie Mulligan's Cassie in the same category with a Joe or a Dexter. Where you kind of get some of the reasons why they're doing what they're doing. They're horrible reasons and they're horrible actions, but you can see how somebody's psyche may break because of a, a catastrophic event. And you can see that there was an edge and there was a line that Cassie wasn't going to cross. All, all cards are off the table. She's crossed that, but you understand why. Whether you think it's right or wrong, you, you, get, the, you get the ends. And I don't know if they justify the means. Again, I like the revenge acts. Um, I broke it down in kind of like a Shakespearean way. Um, you may pick up a different way with that, but I really like how Cassie breaks her revenge down into acts, and you can see plot points within that. Betrayal, tragedy, you know. And you can see how she came to her end and how she thought about, well, this is going to be the ultimate mic drop, and it's going to be on my terms. And it was. Um, some cons. The only flaw that I feel is the end. With all the harm that has been done to women in this film, 
I just felt that we definitely took a heel turn. And I wasn't expecting that heel turn, but I understand why the director, the cast, went in that direction. I just wish it didn't happen, but I completely understand it. And the other thing is, when Cassie's going on these revenge plots, right? When she's doing her night stalking, when she's doing her vigilanting, like, whatever happens to the guys? You know, like, Adam Brody's character in the first few minutes of the film, like, after she tells him, like, hey, douchebag, I'm not drunk, does she do anything to them? How do you, how does she know that these guys won't go out and try to roofie a girl next week or, you know, try to assault a girl at another bar two weeks from now? Does she keep up with them? I just wish there was maybe one scene where we see throughout, like, what Cassie does to these guys. Because if she just leaves them, unless that was, like, such a traumatizing event for them that they stop, I want to see, like, the ramifications for that. That would that would have been interesting to see, but the film is only so long and we can only get so much, so that's my that's my interpretation. Those are the only two things that I wish we kind of had a nicer bow a nicer bow to tie up on. But again, I'm not a director, so this is me just reviewing it. But I think this is a great film. There's a reason why it's getting Oscar buzz. It brings in a larger conversation about how we interact with one another, how men and women interact with one another how one event can change someone's complete course. Again, these two women were going to be doctors. They were in medical school. And it really just shows how serious these situations and these conversations are and how we have to keep talking about date rape culture and sexual assault. And, you know, again, it, it goes beyond just a me too. It brings into a larger conversation and I don't have all the answers, but I'm really looking forward to seeing what you guys have to say, seeing what you all thought about the film if you watch it. Again, I definitely recommend it. So to answer the question, should you watch it? Yes. Again, watch it at your own discretion. Again, there are you know some serious scenes that depict violence and it's not for the faint of heart. But I think that it's a movie that if you watch it alone or if you watch it with friends, you can start to think about these conversations. You can start to think about these topics and how they play out in the world at large. And so kudos to the cast, kudos to directing. It was a great film, a tough film, but it was something that was important. And I wanted to start my podcast off with this one because it's really meaty. And again, there's a reason why it's getting buzz. Uh, so yeah, that was my review of Promising Young Woman. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode. I hope you will continue with me on the journey. I'm really excited for what's to come. You can stay up to date with the podcast by following me at should you underscore watch it on Instagram and should you watch it on Twitter. Also, you can listen to the podcast episodes wherever you like to get podcasts at. So thanks again for listening. Hope you all stay safe and healthy.